Hey, my name is... I don't know how to say your name. Okay, right. That makes sense. It's probably for the best. Got it. So where do we start? You were telling me about rock bottom. I've been saving for my daughter's college fund since before I had a daughter. Since before I had a steady partner in the picture, actually. I just always figured there would be a kid someday and they'd need to go to college. I'm an American, so it's not exactly the same as in Europe. College costs a lot. Uh, Student loans, that was something I went through. I was raised to be a saver. Save my pennies. This was before bank apps could do this sort of thing automatically. Uh, You know, piggy banks was the old technology. My parents were typical middle-class folks. My father was very conservative with his investments. I remember the first time I heard about the stock market. It was in the context of dad short-selling Gap for some reason. It didn't work out. But that was an exception. I, I learned about saving from him and mom. I had a college fund of my own. It paid for school with some loans. I studied philosophy. I wanted to be a poet. And then I went to business school. I remember I had this little safe when I was a kid. It was pink and it had a little dial lock on it. I put my spare change in there. I don't know what happened to this safe. It got lost in some move or another. When I think about my daughter's college fund, that's what I see, this little pink safe, even though it was my safe, not hers. There was 140,000 euros in the fund at the peak. I called up my financial advisor and I cashed it all out. This must have been in November 2019, something like that. I opened up a bank account with no fees for cash withdrawals. And I spent a lot of time in ATMs or cash points over the next couple of years. What were you doing? Withdrawing. Yeah, you know, it really varies in European cities. Sometimes a cash point, it's like an extension of the idea of the bank. It might be this little enclosed space that you can get into after the bank is closed, but it's still the bank. Banks have heavy doors. They look official. There's a pride in appearance. Old buildings with these vaulted ceilings, vaults, actual vaults inside. So then you have a cash point, and sometimes it carries on the idea, or at least makes an effort to make you feel safe, make you feel like your money's safe, at least secure. And then you have some other cash points that are just destroyed. People who don't have a place to sleep find a place to sleep in there. Because it's warm in there, right? It's four walls and a roof. Some of these people are asking for spare change, but I've seen others who are just there for the shelter, living there. 
And the banks don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with people sleeping inside their cash points. Because isn't finance supposed to help people in some way? Isn't money supposed to solve a problem like this? I only know this because I was withdrawing quite a lot of cash in those days. Gambling runs on cash transactions, of course, at least the gambling I was doing. I considered myself a gambler for at least 10 years, but I didn't think I had a problem until the last euro was gone. I know that doesn't make any sense. If my daughter is listening to this, uh, she knows I'm sorry already, but it must be said. I'm sorry. I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of other gamblers, actually. And weirdly, I didn't talk to anyone when I was gambling. But now, yeah, I've met some other people who are also into doing what I did. Uh, gambling on weird stuff. That's what I mean, right? So I met a guy who lost 50,000 euros betting on Eurovision. He bet against, against Ukraine the year they won. Uh, yeah, so I asked the guy, uh, how did you get started on this? Why, did, why do you bet on Eurovision? And he told me it was the edge because with Eurovision, it's not really about the songs. I mean, music is pretty subjective, right? But there are all these theories about the politics of it. And if you read the news, you can get a sense of which country owes which country a favor, or at least according to this guy, uh, who, who, for the record, lost a lot of money on this. Um, but my point is, betting on weird stuff, it's... It's a graveyard of systems you just know will work and work perfectly until they don't. About 10 years ago, back when impact investing was really in its infancy, uh, some of the first things to get people fired up about this whole idea and stimulated to throw money at these social projects were these competitions. All right. They've gone by a lot of different names. Sometimes it's part of an accelerator program. A bunch of social entrepreneurs participate in this thing, and then there's a round of finalists and eventually a, a winner. Sometimes it's for one country, sometimes it's international. There, there's a sense of pageantry to it. The social entrepreneurs get their time in the spotlight, a chance to pitch their idea, and there's real stakes because investors are there in the audience and there's a prize in the form of an investment. I used to like that, uh, the ideas. You can hear it when somebody really believes in their thing. You can hear it in their voice. As interest grew in these kinds of ideas, so did the market in, in Europe. The demand side, that's the investment funds trying to throw capital at these enterprises. Usually they have something to do with the selection process in these competitions as well. The supply side, those are the social entrepreneurs, the social businesses, the innovators. The market... That's both sides. And it was growing. And competitions, they were sprouting up like mushrooms. Seemed like a new one every year. Did you ever try to in interfere with the results? No, absolutely not. Why? Well, I'm a gambler. I'm not immoral. And yeah, I, I actually drank the Kool-Aid on all this stuff. The whole impact idea. Some people bet on cards, some people bet on horses. I bet on social innovators, and I bet big. I thought I had an edge. I thought I had an edge because, well, I actually went to work in this sector. 
I had a background in finance, some years under my belt, working for a VC firm in New York. I hated it. I'm not going to mention the name of the place, so I can tell you that my colleagues there had a view of the purpose of finance that I thought was just completely vapid, hollow, like a drain pipe. Growth, 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 more, more, more. And I'd go out to drinks with these guys thinking, well, well, maybe there's something more. But no, all they wanted to talk about was growth, even outside of work. I'd had enough. Enough in New York as well. And uh, my partner had some job offers in Amsterdam, so I said, all right, why not? The one thing I knew I could not do was go to work for someone whose sole purpose in life was to fund another silly tech startup. At least not another tech startup that had nothing to say about the homeless people sleeping in the cash point lobby. When I started working for an impact fund, it was like, yes, finally. This is aligned with my skill set, but capital is going to something that matters. Something that could actually make a difference for people, for the planet, more directly. I believed. I was a believer. I still am. And it's more than just throwing capital at some really promising startup that you know brings clean water to villages in East Africa. You do this enough times globally, it can really teach the world about what capital can do to make a difference. It can't help but influence our economic systems overall on a global scale. I've seen what happens when these kinds of stories resonate with people. They convert. They drink the Kool-Aid. They stop thinking profit and start thinking people. People join the fund I worked for for these kinds of reasons because they'd read about what we were doing in Financial Times or wherever. I got along with these people. We were friends. We hung out outside of work. We went to conferences together. You know, now that I think of it, yeah, it was this lady I used to work with. She and I were, were at one of these social innovation competitions together. We were looking for pipeline it was the night before the pitching session. Things were feeling kind of loose. And she goes to me, hey, I bet you 20 euros wins it all. And I took that bet. She won, as I recall, but it was a start. It was fun. These people were great. It sucks when people you really like have to fire you. The funny thing is, I thought I had an edge not because I was an insider, right? It's because of all the information is out there. Every social enterprise and every competition. Information about the panel and selection committee, what they stand for. It's all out there on the websites. You take enough time to read it, you really feel like, yes, I know I have a good idea of which social innovation is going to win this year. And, uh, you bet on horses, you read the racing papers. You bet on social innovators, you read a lot of impact reports. Now, when it comes to setting odds for these things, that's more questionable territory. It's not like Lloyd's of London is handling it. It's underground. It's definitely not legal. Odds are set by a consortium that makes the Corleone family look like the Von Trapp family. In other words, some pretty shady individuals, but you wouldn't know it at first because they're nice and they'd always buy me a drink. I never sneered at the many, many times my bets came in. And they seemed to be rooting for me, in fact. Pats on the back, great job. I should have known not to trust it. The fact is, they were just patient. They knew my luck would run out. 
Um, they knew before I did. Rock bottom is always, no, it's the last cent gone. It's doing the thing you said you'd never do to fuel your addiction. When I think about it, though, there's a moment for me. There's a moment. It was at one of these competitions. I'm not going to say which. Impact people are good people. Their conferences, these events where social entrepreneurs do their thing, they're fun. They're warm and full of ideas and full of hope. They're not the usual stuffy conference thing uh, in a hotel. I used to really like going to these. True, I had to go out to some shady bar to make my bets on who I thought was going to win the competition, but I really liked seeing the competition. I wasn't one of those gamblers who don't even watch the game. I watched the game. I made my bet, biggest bet I ever made, and I came back to the competition to watch. I'm sitting in the audience, wasn't the most comfortable chair, so I'm fidgeting around a little bit, and I start to get absolutely paranoid. Even before the enterprise I bet on comes up to make their pitch, I'm sweating. I'm thinking about my daughter, and I'm looking at all these nice people, feeling like I've absolutely betrayed them. One of those moments when you catch yourself living a lie. I knew these people, and they could see right through me. It's like they smelled the rotten part of my soul. And I was right. All this paranoia was well-founded. Someone had ratted me out about all this betting stuff. So then there's this security guard, and she's looking at me like, please, don't make a scene. Uh, But I'm still sitting there, glued to my chair, because I really want to see the folks I bet on. I want to hear what they have to say. So she's strolling over and people are starting to stare. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Watch the stage. It's them. They're going to solve the food waste crisis in their city. Listen, listen. By this time, the security card is standing right at my side. I'm at the end of the aisle. And I stand up. I'm twice her size, I realized. And honestly, I did think about making a run for it. But I didn't. Uh, She must have seen through it, though, because what she wanted to do was take me by the hand and lead me out of there. I let her take me by the hand. I lost my daughter's college fund in 2022, betting on the competition in The social enterprise that won, the one that beat me, they got an investment of million. And the tough part of that is, The investment came from the fund I used to work for. Really made me reconsider my life choices. Regrets, I've had a few. Hey, maybe you can play a clip of my way as an outro to this. I don't think so. The licensing is probably kind of expensive. Ah, too bad. Did you know... It's considered a deeply disrespectful thing to sing my way at a karaoke bar. It's true. This started in the Philippines. So apparently someone sang my way so badly that they started a fight in the karaoke bar. And most unfortunately, the singer got killed. I'm not making this up. This was the first time someone died over my way. But now there have been six other documented fatal disputes over singing that song in karaoke bars. And... I'm no expert at this, but it seems like it's gone beyond just people being annoyed. To sing my way is now, it's a real taboo. It's something 
cursed, if you can believe in a curse. So cursed, it can get you killed. You want to talk about social phenomena. Well, this is impact people, right? You want to talk about my impact? I gambled away my daughter's future. That's my impact. What did I learn? Well, there's a call to bet big on social innovation. I should not have taken that literally. This is going to be okay. Last fall, she started classes at which thankfully isn't quite the same cost as an American college. She's studying economics. Her mother covers her expenses. I texted her on her birthday. She texted me back. I'm thankful my daughter knows better. She's not even thinking about traditional finance as a career path or gambling, of course. At least not that I know of. Uh, I don't actually know if these things run in the family. But I know she has a good heart. I know that'll guide her. She's all about impact, too. I know that. And that's wonderful. Maybe she'll hire me one day. I'm thankful also that I found a community that can help me. That I can talk about this with people who have been there. Sometimes it's like we're, we're all we got. And we're the ones who can teach each other. Pull ourselves out of the gutter, you know. See some stars if the night's cloudless. This has been a completely fictional episode of Impact People, written and performed by me, Ben. Is this a fiction podcast now? Far from it, my friends. We'll be back with more real Impact People and more Impact Facts in our next episode. If you or a loved one has a problem with gambling, you'll find some resources to help in the show notes. Till next time.